Hey, welcome to Not to Oscars, a podcast about criminally underrated performances in modern cinema getting the recognition they deserve. Well, I said that in one breath. Each week, the host, uh, one host nominates a performance for the illustrious Vincent D'Onofrio Award, uh, which is an award of, an, of our own creation birthed from our mutual love for Vincent D'Onofrio's impeccable performance as Edgar the Bug in Men in Black. And uh, an Edgar moment I'm thinking about this week uh, is when he's hiding under the uh, the the thing in the cemetery in the in the morgue, and he's like trying to be quiet. And then he like pops up, and the entire time he's talking and holding her hostage, he's like looking up, like he's not even looking at Tommy Lee Jones. He's like, "Oh, I'm gonna. You think she's gonna get out of here?" And he's like decaying. And you can't even, like, look at the other actors. Uh, anyway, I'm Josh, and we're also joined by uh, Erica and Anthony. Hello. Hi. For a, yeah. for a second there, I thought you were going to tell me that we were joined by Vincent D'Onofrio tonight. <laughs> Not yet. but soon. Not yet. Working on it. That would be goop, though. Oh, boy. It's right? I, I wish I could see <laughs> Anthony's face every time you say that would be goop. <laughs> I don't I'm acknowledge make... it. I just keep moving. <laughs> I'm going to make it happen. It's cool. Come on, it's goop. Oh, boy. Um, I won't force it. I have never seen the movie that we're going to talk about until tonight. Um, which has happened <laughs> like, with a few of them. But this one especially just felt like... I have like this theory that there are so many movies that black kids just are not privy to at all and this very much feels like one of those where it's like i don't know how i missed the boat on this how we didn't get the memo (laughs) but like watching this i was like wait this is a jim henson movie that was aimed at children that came out in 1990 i'm very very yeah it's like it's a roll doll book but jim henson produced it and like the whole thing just feels like wait how did I miss this? Like, how did this just like come and 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 not become like you know a thing that even just came up? Even the fact that it was on Netflix, like I I never even noticed it before. Yeah, this was. Uh, I know we haven't even introduced it yet, but um, this was the yeah, last the suspense. <laughs> the last, I believe, um, if my research is correct, this was the last movie that Jim Henson operated a puppet on before he passed away. Correct. Yeah, this was his last movie. Well, for, for our first-time listeners, which I'm sure you're slightly confused by this point, uh, one of us has a performance that uh, they've cho- that they've chosen to nominate this week uh, for the Vincent D'Onofrio Award, while the other two of us score that argument to determine if uh, it actually does indeed receive the Vincent D'Onofrio Award. So this week, Erica was up. She was assigned 1994. Uh, am I going to get that wrong? 1990. 1990. I did get it wrong. Uh, anyway, Erica, what did you have prepared for us yeah. this week? So for this week, I would like to nominate Angelica Houston as Miss Ernst slash the Grand High Witch in The Witches. Oh, boy. <laughs> had y'all seen, like, well, I was like, Erica had seen it before. Had you seen this before, Josh? No. Okay. I had not. Did you, either of you, read this book growing up? Nope. No. Okay. I knew that it existed because yeah. I was a really big fan of uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. 
Um, so much so that I read the second book, Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator, which is just weird yep. and trippy as hell. Yep. Um, but in the back of it, I remember it had listed all of the books that uh, Roald Dahl had written. And I remember those were there. The Witches was there. Uh, the Twits was there. It was like a bunch of these books, but like I'd never seen any of them. I wasn't familiar with them. Uh, so yeah, even going into watching the movie, I didn't realize that I didn't put it together that this was uh, an adaptation of the book. Um, I loved this book. This was a book I, yeah, I loved, 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 loved this book. Um, I loved Roald Dahl when I was a kid. Like, I was a big fan of James and the Giant Peach. I loved, uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Um, the BFG was my shit. Um, Matilda, man. Yeah, I, I loved Roald Dahl. That was like how 90s kids got their got their best fantasy. Yeah. I feel like. Yeah. yeah that's how I did. Yeah, well, they were books. All... And I'm going to talk about this a little bit in my argument, but like this is a movie that is, the whole story is through and for the eyes of kids. 100%. Yes. Which is, I, I think, and something I respect about it. And I a lot of those movies that uh, came from uh, his books are like that. Like I watched Matilda not that long ago, and it's just it's so for the kids. I and it's so interesting our generation. So I the music box in Chicago does this thing, or I think they've been doing it online during quarantine, but um, they do this thing like the first Wednesday of every month called the Drink Along. And yeah. I went to Matilda, and the number of people in the audience that just knew the words, it was almost like going to, when you go to see, like, The Room, or you go to see Rocky Horror at, like, a midnight showing, and, every like, everyone's just talking over the movie because they just know the words. It was like that. Mm-hmm. It was really crazy how many people had the script committed wow. to man- memory. And equally as crazy how many of the lines I remembered as they were coming up, even though I hadn't seen it in years. One reason why I think about that a lot and why I think that we do know all of them, we had VHS tapes back in the day. Yeah. And, like, you had to watch the whole movie in order to get to your favorite scene. Yep. Or, like, you know, just, like, you know, see the whole thing. And we just did that all the time. Like, you would just pop the VHS yeah, there tape and watch the whole... Yeah, it was like you couldn't, like, That's go to, like, your favorite that, scene yeah. like, look it up on YouTube or anything. It was like, no, nah, you had to watch this whole movie yeah. every single time you wanted to see any of it. Yeah. And I think because of that, it's like you start to like commit stuff to memory because it's like, yeah, I've watched this movie like 50 times. And not like I've seen this scene 50 times. I've seen this movie 50 times. Right. Yeah. No, that's that's a really good point, Anthony. I'm wondering if that happens now where because I think about all those movies that I memorized as a kid and like I see it now and I'm like, oh, this is a scene that I don't like now and I wouldn't have liked then because I didn't understand it. But I still know all the words to it because I was mm-hmm. forced to see it. Like now, you you don't you don't have to do that. You can watch something and then just piece it piece it out how you want on like YouTube or whatever. I wonder if that's kind of like a lost. And we also have like twenty nine different distractions now that we did right. not before. So it's like, yeah. oh, like I'm gonna sit here and watch this whole thing because I have nothing else to do. Right. If the TV is in use, that's the only thing that could possibly distract me in this moment. Right? Yeah. No, that's a good point. Uh, Erica, why don't you give us a synopsis, history, whatever you, information you would like to share sure. about the witches? Sure. So, uh, as we said, this is a 1990 
film that is based on a Roald Dahl novel, um, and it was produced by the Henson Workshop. Um, the plot of the movie is that young Luke and his grandmother, following the untimely death of his parents, his grandmother is diagnosed with diabetes, and um, the doctor tells her that she has to lay off the sweets and get some fresh English seaside air. So um, they go to this hotel where there happens to be um, this basically like the save the children type convention, but turns out that's a front for uh, these witches, which are identifiable by their scratchy scalps and their um, square toes and their purple eyes, um, who hate children. Um, and uh, horror ensues as young Luke just is turned into a mouse by the witches and then must prove their existence and um, destroy them before they turn all the children in the world into mouses. That's that's the movie. It's what a, super a ride it is. Plot. Yeah, yeah. They're they're um point. They're going to do. They're going to turn children into. To, did I say mouses into mice? Um, you did. <laughs> I kind of like that. <laughs> I let I, it ride. I liked it. Mouses. Yeah, mouses is goop. Mouses is. Goop. Oh man, mouses is goop. Um, <laughs> that's our first season. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so they, they're going to turn them into mice. It's really interesting um, that he chooses this plot point. They're going to turn them into mice by essentially poisoning chocolate. Um, and they turn their first child in the hotel into a mouse. It's this like, kind of like almost like piggy little child named Bruno, which is, I think, basically a... F- there, he always has one of the... This must have been like his inner child, basically, because he this child yeah. is essentially a Brucey from Matilda or an Augustus Gloop from Charlie mm-hmm. and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> it's the same character. It's, it is. Like, I thought it was the... Like, what is this kid doing here? Yeah. <laughs> this universe? Yeah. Like, is this like Tarantino putting his, like, ex- like putting them all together? Yeah, the art... It's true. There's totally that one kid that's just, like, always just getting into, like, mm-hmm. the wrong thing very early on. He gets knocked out of, like, the frame so quick. Yep. And it's just, like, he becomes, like, the, the lesson for everybody else of, yeah. like, do not become this child. Yeah, the RD... But he actually gets a role this The movie. RDCU, the Roald Dahl Cinematic Universe, man. I enjoyed the movie a lot more than I thought I would. I'm not going to lie. The first 15 minutes, and I was like, I don't know what the fuck Erica chose this for. But, like, this might be a little bit of a struggle. And it was only 90 minutes. And I was just like, I don't know how I'm be able to pull this one off, y'all. Yeah. Like, no, I felt the same way. <laughs> when, when, when I got into it, I, I forgot the imagery that I had seen going into the preview. So I was very un, uh, pretty underwhelmed. And... Like, I forgot that uh, what's-his-name was going to be at Rowan Atkinson uh, and yeah. all of these things. I'm like, wait, this is the movie? Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. And then Angelica Houston shows up and like, what you have, what's going on? This isn't fun. There's, like, I feel like that exposition at the beginning, I feel like, um, so, uh, there's something I will wait to tell you until the end, but um, they, they, all the exposition, I was like, man, I feel like you could have cleaned this up differently. But at the same time, they really do move through a lot of exposition really quickly at the same time. Like, they set up a lot really fast. And what a build it is. Yeah. Once you get to that hotel. Yeah. All right, Erica. Well, uh, 
I think it's time for you to get in to start uh, making your claim for why this deserves uh, the Vincent D'Onofrio Award. So just to go over our categories for our first-time listeners, uh, we have five categories, which me and Anthony will be scoring on numerically, zero to ten. So, Erica, you have 90 seconds to present your argument for Aged Like a Fine Wine. Take it away whenever you're ready. Great. So this movie is honestly straight up terrifying as a kid's movie. It is a true horror movie, unlike Hocus Pocus, which is really a light, fun-hearted comedy. um, And I love it. What I think is cool about this particular performance that is in 1990, the market was flooded with all of these movies about men saving the day. Mel Gibson made three fucking movies in the year 1990. Yet this is a movie where you have this beautiful woman on the outside um, who is... uh, like ugly and grotesque on the inside who is defying all sorts of stereotypes in terms of she's not a dutiful mother she's not a pretty and polished career woman she doesn't need saving um in fact she's not even a woman she hates children um and which i think goes just totally against the grain for the year 1990 and the types of movies that were coming out and i think that angelica houston she somehow manages to portray all of these different levels at once while flipping these stereotypes um Flipping the narr- the narrative on its head, she plays disgusting really well, which I think is so cool and so fun and is like an actress's dream. And also, I want that cape skirt. I would wear that today. And honestly, the movie- 20 seconds. The movie costuming-wise deserves an award just for that because that's an amazing piece of costuming. End argument. Off to a fiery start. Well done. When did you realize you wanted to pick this as your- like, did you always have this one in mind? Was it like when you got the year, like you had to like search for a little bit? Like, what was the process? Yeah, I went through a lot um, thinking about what I was going to choose for this movie because we've talked about more men than women on this podcast so far. And so I thought to myself, I really want to find a good female role for this year. Um, but in this year, um, Mel Gibson made three movies. Uh, Kevin Bacon made two. Uh, Johnny Depp made two while also still filming 21 Jump Street. And Arnold Schwarzenegger also made two movies this year. Those were the types of movies that were coming out. These movies starring men saving the day. It was also a year of sequels and trilogy sets. Die Hard 2, Back to the Future 3, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, Ernest Goes to Jail, so many Gremlins 2, sequels. Robocop 2, Young Guns 2, Exorcist 3, Delta Force 2, Troll 2, Child's Play 2, Rocky 5, Predator 2, Godfather 3, not to mention movies like Arachnophobia, Tremors, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and Home Alone, which would eventually get turned into franchises. Um, so part of in choosing this movie... Um, I wanted to pick something that kind of like stands on its own. Um, and I really was on the search to nominate a strong female lead of which I think she is. I mean, I was ready to go when you're the way that you sent this via text was, okay, let's fucking do this. And then you nominated her. I was excited. No, this was a fun one. This was a surprisingly fun one because again, like I knew nothing about it. I wasn't familiar i know a lot of like angelica houston stuff just because like she's been around for so long and she's done so much and like her resume is so freaking extensive but this movie i wasn't familiar with at all and there's a remake coming out yes that's already been filmed yes with anne hathaway in the angelica houston part and octavia spencer as the grandmother and stanley tucci as the rowan atkinson role 
Yeah, the whole thing. I was just like, wait, is this like, is there like a whole cult following for this movie that I've just never heard of in my entire life? This like, is this is like, it's like Matilda. There's people in movie theaters giving all the lines. Yeah, I think what's kind of funny about this too is um, the book. So the book came out in 1983. Um, it's relatively well received. Um, and then in uh, the late 80s, the, uh, there was a lot of um, movement to try to ban this book places, including a few places in England that um, called this book misogynistic because, quote, only women can be witches, which is unfair to men, um, even though, as I've recounted about the types of movies that were coming out this year, um, you know, normally we put women in these roles, these really docile, pretty, never dangerous, very well-kept um, parts, um, which I also thought was just kind of cool for this, is it? I think it really departs from a lot of other stuff that was going on at the time. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, I think it's about time we decide whether or not this thing gets the award. All right. Let's do All it. Right, Anthony? Yeah, let's do this. Uh, so first up, uh, aged like a fine wine. Uh, what do you think, Anthony? Um, it's a funny one because it's like, it has obviously held up over time. Thus, like, you know, being able to get a remake, um, all of like the, the, the things that Angelica Houston has said about it and like, you know, how much like she appreciated the opportunity to work on it. Um, it's just so weird to me that like this thing exists and I'm just like, how have people not talked about this more? Cause it is just so strange. Like. Even the way, like, you described it earlier when you were talking through, like, you know, the plot of it, Erica, it sounded like when, like, a little kid's, like, making up a story as they go along. Mm -hmm. The entire thing is just so ridiculous, but, like, it all works really well. I'm still very much processing what I watched a couple of hours ago because <laughs> that wasn't what I was expecting at all. Yeah, I mean, I I sent uh, Erica. I was <laughs> actually I was actually in the middle of recording my first TikTok and uh oh sorry my tamagotchi just went to bed uh and uh it made a beep uh i was in the middle of recording my first what a weird sentence yes. I, i'm in the middle yes. of yeah I, totally <laughs> it. I was like yeah just keep going <laughs> what is my life i don't know all right so I was in the middle of recording my first TikTok, and it was right when the um, the uh, hotel scene was happening. So I had it recorded, and I sent it to Erica because it was like my reaction to that whole uh, sequence of the kid turning into a into a rat. And it's terrifying. It's nightmare fuel. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I was thinking about this of why why this movie doesn't get the attention that it probably deserves because it's. When you think about it compared to the other Jim Henson works, it's just as good, if not a little bit better and like well executed. I mean, it was his last movie and granted it probably it doesn't have the same star power that some of his other ones do. I mean, Angelica Houston is Angelica Houston, but like I, I just when I'm thinking of like when Jim Henson movies like I hear David Bowie, I hear. Well, I mean, like I feel like Bowie, like you he and labyrinth are one in the same you know what i mean like you can't separate you yeah. can't separate them if, if you're if you're yeah. of our and generation it, you know yes her i mean if we're talking about her performance aging well within the confines of this movie i think it's 
absolutely, it absolutely holds up and it's stunning. And she does an impeccable job with the script uh, and, you know, everything that's given to her. So, you know, I, I think, I think the, her performance absolutely holds up well, whether or not this movie holds up to like our, the audience right now, I don't know. I mean, I love it, but I'm part of the generation that's kind of predisposed to like this. I gave this a nine. I also gave it a nine. Mm-hmm. Millennials like it. Let's see what Gen Z thinks. <laughs> All right. Are you ready to move in to the singular sensation? Indeed. All right. Whenever you're ready. All right. So, um, as we often find with this category, a lot of people were, of course, considered to play this role. Actually, Cher almost got it, which is interesting because they physically do look really similar, even though their auras and their energies are so different. Um, but she was filming Moonstruck, so, uh, the role went to Angelica Houston. She almost turned it down because she had been in the Michael Jackson Disneyland 3D movie Captain EO and she hated putting on the latex makeup for that. But uh, eventually she she picks up the part. Um, I love that she physically looks the part for this. She has a lot of severities in her angles and in her face, in her movements. Um, it, but she's still beautiful and... and um, on the outside, but she's able to physically manipulate her body, even with the prosthetics in a way that I think very few actresses would have been able to do. Um, the way she, her voice hits three distinct ranges. Um, and then at the end, when she also has to play that puppet, it's a totally different range, which is wild. Um, so there's a lot of vocal work going on there. Um, both when she has her human face on and when she kind of has that puppet latex mask on. Um, she also loved playing this part. She was quoted as saying, there's nothing, there's nothing better than making children scream. I have to say, and for that alone, I think she embodies this part perfectly. <laughs> so this is one where I'm like, all right, could it, like, I always like think of it like who else could have played it? And like, I Googled the, the year and like, I look up the actors and the actresses that have been nominated for awards who was, like, you know, booking stuff at the time. Uh, this one kind of stumped me a little bit because I don't know who else could have played this freaking role. Um, when she said Cher, I was like, oh, of course. Yeah, that, like, makes a lot of sense to me. And I think that's the thing. It's, like, the only person that could have played this role, it would have had to have been, like, David Bowie in Labyrinth, where it's, like, you have to find the right person for it. But even yeah. then, I'm like, Cher is the only other person that probably could have, like, knocked that out of the part and done it in a way that felt believable, that wasn't, like... It's almost like you have to both recognize how ridiculous it is, but still take it very seriously. Um, I don't know too like many Liza people that can do both. <laughs> yeah, but, like, even then, it's like, I feel like there'd be horror stories from, like, the set of, like, Liza Minnelli tried to, like, kill one of the children one day because... One of her eyelashes fell off. Like, something crazy like that would happen. Like, that would be, like, the legacy. But, like, the legacy of the movie is, like, no. Like, everybody had a great time working on it. And, like, she had the best time. And, like, it should just be, like, one of the best things she ever got to do. Um, Yeah, I had a really hard time just thinking of somebody else doing the role. Just because it does take that level of, you know, skill. But also, like, you know, the humility to be, like, yeah, like, we're having fun and doing a thing here. Um... Yeah, it's tough. 
I mean, I can't imagine other, you know, actors, actresses, you know, coming in and playing this role. But at the end of the day, when I'm watching a movie like this, when I see Angelica Houston in that role and, you know, knowing her presence, her energy, the way she delivers lines, I think that would be it. I I wouldn't, (laughs) wouldn't audition other people. I gave this one a nine, too. Yeah, I gave it a nine as well. Um, it's funny, Liza Minnelli, it's rumored that she was also considered for the part. I really? I can imagine Cher doing a take on this. I can't imagine Liza Minnelli doing this. Transformation exploration. Are you ready, Erica? I am, sir. It's all yours. Okay, so similar to Vincent D'Onofrio in Men in Black, she's playing one character inside the skin of another character, which is fascinating. Actually, she plays two characters in this movie, um, that, but she sort of has three distinct personas. So she's got her true being as the witch, which is the grotesque, the nose, and the hair, and the warts. She's got her fake uh, Miss Ernst that she speaks to Rowan Atkinson at all in. And then she also has her human form in which she speaks to the witches in. So she's kind of has these three distinct perform, uh, personas that she keeps track of over the course of the movie. And we actually see her literally transform back and forth, including in that one Mrs. Doubtfire-esque scene where she kind of has the face off and she's got to put it back on. So there's also a ton of voice and physicality going on where she can't necessarily rely on her face because she's got the prosthesis in front of it, which is super cool. Um, I think the scene in which that, that big long scene in the council in the hotel room where she's all covered in latex makeup is also really remarkable because she's it took her seven hours to get into that. You know it wasn't comfortable. So for her to be able to physically navigate that performance um, while all covered in that, those fingers are like 10 inches long a piece or something like that. That's just impressive as hell that she's able to pull that off. Um, and she really is physically and vocally unlike any version of Angelica Houston you have seen before. I comp- I completely agree with Erica on this. Uh, probably, I don't know if a lot of people think about it. I, I do only because I, I had to study it in, co- in college and all that stuff, but wearing prosthetics under, under lights for hours at a time is you want to, you want to, you want to hurt yourself. You want to like jump off a fucking cliff. It's, it's, you're hot, you're uncomfortable and performing is about being in the moment and being loose and you know, all that stuff. Uh, and I can't imagine being able to, use your gestures and your breath and all those things as well as she did under that amount of prosthetic while still knowing that she has like you said two other roles that she's playing in this movie uh that are incredibly different so i i don't know that 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 alone did it for me without going too much into her work on the dialogue the script uh you know three-dimensionality to the role. I mean, it was all fantastic, but I think that alone really sold me. Um, yeah, if you... Ch- I'm going to be honest. Like, if y'all choose anybody that's wearing prosthetics at any point during a movie and they do it well enough, I'm going to score that shit high. Um, I gave this one a 10. Yeah, me too. We're so we're so synced up on this one, uh, Anthony. This is fun. This Wow, we actually have fun when we agree. This is weird. Say, I just feel uncomfortable oh, that you're... I gotta go against the grain the next two. I just this feel is... uncomfortable hey, that Anthony. you're agreeing with each other. Anthony, <laughs> this, is, this is pretty goop. 
Josh, don't fuck. So the next category, <laughs> don't fuck the, the category up, formerly known. <laughs> Josh just ruined it. We had a really nice thing going. <laughs> Let's just start over. Let's start over. Uh, hi, welcome to Not to Oscars <laughs> podcast about criminally underrated performance. Okay. Moving on, we will now be doing the topic of the artist formerly known as Chicken Salad Out of Chicken Shit. You ready to go? Okay, so... It's you. Okay, so this script, um, it's not bad, but it's chaotic as hell, and it actually is filled with a lot of tough language, and I think that really comes from the fact that it was adapted from a novel. So you went from having these words on the page um, to words coming out of actual people's mouths. Um, That being said, the script is also, I think, written for children to understand what's happening. Um, I would argue that she's actually almost the anti-hero in this movie. Um, You kind of almost want to root for her a little bit, because some of these kids like Bruno are fucking annoying as hell and I actually like frankly kind of get it um I think this movie in terms of effects and like the level of effects we're looking at here are on par with say like an evil dead or a labyrinth it's campy um you kind of have these puppets interacting with these people in a way that like you can tell that the actors including Angelica Houston herself like believe what's going on here but as an audience like you see that direct that divide down the middle um but she handles all of those weird ups and downs really smoothly even in that super high-pitched register that she has she delivers these lines in a way that you're able to really follow what's going on you're following the plot you're following how angry she is you're following kind of like her wheels turning as to what her her next move is um even when she's building up to that final Christian at the end, I still hear every word, and I think that that is really, really uh, commendable. Um, and she handles this language beautifully. Everything about this works because of Angelica Houston. Like I didn't, I didn't know if I was going to be able to finish this movie until she showed up, and I was like, oh, now I'm here. Like I'm ready for like the next hour and some change that's left over in this. Um, yeah, everything about what she does makes the movie more interesting. It makes it more fun. Literally from the, the moment that she shows up, uh, it means like we're about to get the prosthetics. We're about to see what all of these other witches look like. The, the plot completely like starts to pick up. Um, yeah. And then on top of it too, it's like, it's the most ridiculous thing. And granted, like, you know, it's based off of a kid's book. The fact that like somebody even wanted to turn this into a movie, A, is batshit crazy. Cause it's like, why? Like, why would you, like, why would you be sitting at like work on a Monday and like you walk in and you're like, y'all, I got the thing I'm gonna pitch this week. That's going to make us a couple million. We're going to take the witches by royal doll and like we're going to turn that into a movie. And like it should be terrifying. It should be weird. It shouldn't have made any money whatsoever. Nobody should be talking about this. But it all kind of just works. Um, I'm very much tempted to go on Facebook after this and see if there's like a cult following for this movie. Because I'm sure there has to be. Um, what did you think, Josh? Yeah, I, the, my one of my favorite things about this uh, is that the director showed an early screening of this film, or at least this is what I read, is that he showed an early screening to his son, mm-hmm. and he actually cut a lot of scenes out after that because I guess it scared his son so much and disturbed him. And just the amount of scenes in this movie that... You know, we already talked about it. It's like it's really designed for kind of our generation that's very whimsical and magical, but it also just gets really adult, like real quick and real trippy and really weird. 
it all it that that amount of camp is so specific to this time period that i don't know if you could do that the same way again i'm this is my kind of stuff like i would have watched this no matter what uh and i'm gonna be watching this again i actually thought about watching it a second time today uh just because i really really liked it but yeah this is not everybody's cup of tea (laughs) agreed um but the fact that she made this interesting and she made this something that I found she so made interesting. It real. Yeah, I'm like I gave this one a ten too. I gave this one a ten also. Oh god. We're agreeing. Um they actually changed the ending of the movie. They shot two different endings. So in the book, uh the kids stay as mice. <gasps> right. I loved reading that, that Roald Dahl wanted it to be the original ending of the book, and they were like, all right, fine, we're going to film both versions of it. And then he saw the original version as he wrote it and cried because of how beautiful it was. They were like, that's great. We ain't keeping this shit. We're going to do it the way that we want to. It's such a slap in the face. And then he, like, decried it and was like, don't fucking watch this movie. I'm pulling all my endorsements, you fucks. And also, like, he has a history of, like, his movies just not turning out the way that he wants it to. Which is why I also thought that was so great. Like, he hated Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Matilda, I recall there being an issue with it. Like, he felt some kind, like, the estate felt some kind of way about it, but I can't remember but it's just great that like he just always had an issue with all of the adaptations of his work. And even with this one, like they had the opportunity to give him exactly what he wanted. And they were like, nah, fuck that. We're doing it our way. You think Hollywood was just like, how can we fuck with this guy again? Like, what else do we got? <laughs> it was, it's, what if it was like this whole like thing of just like, man, like this kid, this guy fucked us up as kids with all these crazy ass books. Let's just screw him now by like making them, but like not giving him any kind of control, and we make them all happier. It's Sound like, good? I want. I want to see the Saving <laughs> Mr. Banks version of this instead of uh, Walt Disney and P.L. Travers. I want to see the version of Jim Henson and um, and Roald Dahl. Um, I'd be instead. very much into that. Right? Yes. Please. Tom Hanks, are you available? Because we know he's listening to this podcast. Of Obviously, course. are you available? Obviously, email yeah. us. Reach out to us. Get me sugarwater at gmail.com. All right, last category, body of proof. Okay, so one thing I didn't mention before is that she basically invents a couple of different accents to play this part in, Um, which is, I think, one thing that's neat is because, so prior to this, she had uh, starting crimes and misdemeanors, so that's a Woody Allen movie. She plays a real person in that. Um, She then goes on to play Morticia, who speaks in... Uh, remote, the absolute opposite end of the spectrum in terms of vocal, the vocal spectrum, way lower. Um, I think probably the closest thing she's played to this in her career is The Evil Stepmother and Ever After, which is one of my favorite movies. It is one of my favorite Angelica Houston roles. But then she goes on to also um, work in the Wes Anderson world. She's in uh, three or four different Wes Anderson movies, including The Royal Tenenbaums. Um, and then she goes on to be in Transparent in later seasons as well. Um, so she, as I said, she almost didn't take this part, but this actually became um, a role that she was really well known for later on in her career, um, which is really neat, I think, in which she's she's playing 
you know, she's playing a witch. She's playing this character, I think, similar in line to maybe you might try to put this in the same category as, as a Morticia. Seconds. But it is a totally different person, a totally different role. And um, I think this was a risk for her because she was still really kind of earlier on in her career at this. But I do think that this paid off and it's so fun to watch her do this. Well done, Erica. Thank you. Oh, man. What a beast of a movie. You want to take this one, Anthony? Yeah. So this was the only one that I had trouble with because she's had such a crazy career playing so many different roles. Um, I don't know that it's an unexpected addendum as much as it's just like she can do anything. Like we don't have like actors like this anymore. Like this is like to me like this is what like our like the 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 last generation of movie stars was like, where it's like they did everything. It was just like yeah, when you got a script, you just sunk your teeth into it, you did the thing, and you didn't do it, you know, for like social media because it didn't exist. You weren't doing it for the press. You were just doing it because it was the craft, and because the craft paid you money, and the the money just led to like you know all the other things. But it was all about just like putting out as much work as you possibly could, and just riding that wave. And you look at her resume and it's like, she can do anything. Angelica Houston is a god. Like, she's she's one of the greatest of all time. Like, even, even uh, you mentioned earlier, Ever After, like, you know, the Addams Family. It's like, she bodies every single role that she's given. Um, this one being no different. The only big difference is the fact that there was uh, the, the prosthetics that went into place, which... I think that's something that you have to take into account too, but it's like, yeah, she just kills everything. Like there's not one role that she's ever touched where it's like, it's going to be bad. It's like a Michael Jackson song or like a Michael Jackson feature. It's like, it's just going to be good. Even if like the rest of the song isn't great. The fact that like Michael Jackson is on somebody feels like somebody's watching me. It's like Michael Jackson's there and like the hook is just the best part then because it's him. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Yeah, it does. I, I'm I'm riding the same same wavelength because uh, she. I, I mean, she hadn't gone on to do a lot of the movies that obviously inf- were influenced by her performance in this. But I mean, she was walking out of this already an Oscar winner uh, with a lot of a lot of a critical performances under her belt. So it wasn't it wasn't in any way a surprise. Like when I saw that Angelica Houston was going to be in this, that didn't surprise me for one. And it didn't surprise me that she was going to knock it out of the park. Like, you know, I think about, like, you know, Vincent D'Onofrio, you know, in Men in Black. At first I thought, who? <laughs> like, as I've explained, like, who? I don't know that person. Like, oh, the guy from Full Metal Jacket? Are you fucking kidding me? What is he doing in this play in this role? So, yeah, I'm, I'm in a similar boat with this one. It's just, uh, I, all everything was kind of stacked up really for her to knock it out of the park. And, of course, she did. Um, but I, I just, I wasn't surprised that that, the, that that was the case. Okay. I, I have a feeling that we're going to say our scores, but I want us to say it at the same time at the count of three, just to prove that we're, we're just to see if we get all of our scores the same. Okay. All right. You ready? Yeah. One, two, three, seven. Eight. Oh my God. Okay. We were off by one. That's cause I didn't count you in. Um, okay, so, Anthony, it's a 45, Josh, that is a 46, oh grand total of 91 points. 
Have we broken that before? Nope, we've not gotten past 90 yet. I think um, that just creeps past uh, Larry Fishburne, um, who has an 89. So yeah, Erica has now gotten the highest ranking award thus far. Damn. Erica, you have just gotten Angelica Houston this award. Congratulations for getting the Vincent D'Onofrio award. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I had some had some making up to do. So I'm 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 uh, you know, I'm working on that. Um I just want to say Angelica, um if you're listening, I would really, really love to scare children with you sometime. And I'll leave it at that. Beautiful. Thank you. I think that was my favorite what uh top top three or I mean we've only done like eight episodes. That was probably one of my favorite performances nominated for this. It was very unexpected. I absolutely loved watching that. Um I haven't seen this movie in a really long time, so I also when I started watching it, I was like, why did I enjoy this? Um, and then, yeah, she just comes on. So I, I don't know. I, I will be curious to see, to see the remake because, um, I do like, I, I think if they do it right, Anne Hathaway's not a bad choice for this. It'll be really interesting to see though, though, if they like are able to pull it off with kind of like the puppetry and the costumes or if they just CGI the fuck out of it. Cause if they do that, I think there's no way they, they don't do CGI. Uh, yeah. I mean, they're going to have to If they did that, the actually, people would get in the streets. I don't Am know. I tripping or did I see that Robert Zemeckis is directing this? Yeah. Um, so I think he's attached to it and originally, um, Quaron wanted to be a, t- a part of it, but I don't think he wound up, uh, working on it at all. It looks like Zemeckis wrote, directed, and produced this. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if he did prosthetics. Oh yeah, Alfonso Cuarón uh, produced it, and Guillermo He's del- producing it, and Guillermo del Toro help, uh, wrote, helped write the screenplay. So we should go see this when it comes yeah. out on the other side of the pandemic. Yeah, twenty twenty one. We'll apparently. be in a socially distanced movie so. theater, probably. Um. Oh damn. Uh, according to Wikipedia. Uh, Kenya Barris will co-write the film, which was revealed as taking place in Alabama during the 1960s instead of the mm-hmm. novel's 1980s England, and that the boy protagonist, uh, originally an English child of Norwegian descent in the novel, although in the movie he's American, is to be played by an African-American actor. That's actually really interesting. Uh, okay, I'm, I think I'm a little yeah. bit more interested in seeing this now. I really hope it works. Yeah. Um, cause that's, I'm very interested. And then 20 years after premieres, we'll, we'll rate it on the top. <laughs> yes. In 2031, <laughs> we'll come back and we'll rank that one. Mark, mark your calendars. We only have three years left in the nineties. So, um, the years available are 92, 95 and 98. All right. I'm going to sign my three sided die. Let's see what we get here. 1998. All right. Is my year. 98. I don't know. What came out in 98? Because this is an interesting year in in cinema um, because it includes things uh, like The Truman Show uh, and Big Lebowski and Fear and Loathing, but it also includes things like Lindsay Lohan's The Parent Trap and... Uh, Ever After, also starring Angelica Houston, Practical Magic, um, Blade, Blade. Home Fries. 
Yeah, Drew Barrymore was apparently having a year because the wedding singer ever after Home Fries. Oh, Pleasantville. Um, Half Baked came out this year. <laughs> I think I know what I'm going to choose, but I'll wait yeah. until uh, I'll wait a couple more days until yeah. I can think about it. Sleep on it. Thank you so much for joining us this week. If you like this episode, please give us a review on your listening platform. Again, we are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. You can also reach us on social media at NotTheOscars on both Instagram and Twitter. And please, if you'd like to submit a performance that you think is deserving of the Vincent D'Onofrio Awards, hit us up on either one of those or send us an email at GetMeSugarWater at gmail.com. See you again next week. Thanks. Get goop.